Yes, yes, team. Welcome to another episode of the Total Mental Performance Podcast. Today, we have Joe Brightman, Joe Brighty. He has a number of different aliases. Uh, I first saw him speak at the Coach Consultant. That was in Manchester, the the Coach Convention. That was it. I saw him speak there, and I thought, oh, this is an interesting dude. And I started following him. And then over time, we were we were chatting, going back and forth. And then he just moved to Dubai. And I said, dude, do you want to shoot a pod? And he was like, I'm in. And here we are. Joe, welcome to the Total Mental Performance Podcast. Thank you, mate. Thank you for having me on. As I say, I always appreciate these invites. Um, I think I'm still getting used to it, but it's, it's cool to be on. Yeah, yeah. So why don't you just run us through the top three bullet points? What is it that you do? Number one, uh, let's, take, let's go to number one, IFBB Pro Classic Physique Bodybuilder. I think that's my true passion i think if we actually had this conversation you asked me if money didn't exist what would you do and i'd mm. say I'd, I'd do bodybuilding so that's not what i am number one number two full-time on, on t- full-time online coach um with team brightman founder and now just solo employee and back 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 to my back to myself um number three what am i number three? Oh, we got the top two got What's the top two number three i'm not a content creator i don't have myself down as that but uh journey sharer let's say mm. and i'll just share my story yeah. and hope that people learn from it maybe educator further down the line but for now a, a journey sharer all right well let's run through that journey like where was you born i was born in gray's essex yeah. uh, back in the uk um i was not there for long like a couple of years uh moved around a lot as a, as a kid my mum was single mum uh midwife the most incredible woman in, in my life. Um, still don't know how, quite how she did it. Had me very young, but managed to, to bring up, I think, an all right person. Um, so we moved around a lot and then finally settled in Lincolnshire, a small market town, Spalding. That's where I spent my whole childhood. Uh, up to, well, yeah, 16, 17, 18. Went off to uni, Coventry. Um, did English and journalism. Probably not many people know that. Um, but I think that's coming through a bit more and more. Like you've obviously got this in front of me, which we're gonna, we're going to read out. I, I do enjoy writing. I yeah. sort of forgot I enjoyed writing, but I think it's something that comes easy to me. I, I enjoy writing, and uh, I think people often comment, "Are oh, you quite good at writing, aren't you?" It's like, yeah, I, I like it. Um, so that's what I did at uni, and then I stumbled into London corporate job. Um, just I just always knew I wanted to be in London when I was a kid. My my stepdad's got his own business. He always would travel down to London at five a.m. on the train wearing a suit. I was like, I want to do that. I want to wear a suit and, and work in London. Got the job in London. Realised ah, this ain't all it's cracked mm. up to be. Um, I I think I worked. I worked at John Lewis. So many of our English listeners will definitely know that, that brand uh, department store. Um, worked there. Incredible culture. Lovely company to work for, but just didn't set me alight. Um, what were you doing? So I started as a, I actually started in store in Cambridge um, and that really quite killed me because to be honest, a lot of my friends went on from uni to get really good jobs in banks and I was like, oh man, I'm, I'm working on the shop floor. This is not really what I want to be doing. It's sort of, you know, cl- close to minimum wage. I, I'm a very ambitious guy and I'm probably quite harsh on myself. So I think nah, this, is, this isn't it. Um, but I kind of worked like, you know, all, by the way, throughout this whole history in the background, bodybuilding is ongoing um, just because I enjoy it, as I said. And uh, so I was just kind of, working away on the shop floor. I did eight months there and I was like, right, let me just try and get an into head office. Managed to get a job there as a merchandising assistant. So that is uh, a job all about numbers. Way out of my mm. comfort zone. I'm terrible with numbers. I don't like them. Uh, I didn't like maths at school and I didn't do anything. You know, as soon as I could stop doing numbers, I didn't, I stopped doing numbers. So I got this job um, at, at John Lewis Merchandising System. I was say, I'm totally out of my depth. You know, it's not, it's not a high level job. It's a, it's an entry level office job. But I really struggled with it, like Excel, formulas mm. all this stuff i was like oh my god like day one 
said to my person next to her, Where, where's that column gone? And she's like, oh, it's hidden. How do you unhide it? So imagine me learning a V lookup was very difficult. Anyway, I um, I really do apply myself to everything I do. So I apply myself to this um, and I got promoted once um, to like online merchandisers. That was where the online space was rather than the even, stock. Even more numbers and data. More numbers, but that felt a bit more kind of stakeholder managery. So that was a lot like working with people, e-commerce, a bit more marketing, I'd say, than the number crunching per se. Like we had to look at data and understand you know, week on week uplifts and conversion and click through rate and all that stuff. But it wasn't quite what I was dealing with before. And I guess the the previous role sort of set me up for that anyway. And then I got promoted to senior online merchandiser. And that was that was cool. Like I was at that point I think I'd finally got onto a point where I was a bit more comfortable. You know, rent wasn't fifty, sixty percent of my wage. You know, I could, I was like, okay, this is this is all right. And I enjoyed that. Um and I kind of started to find out things about myself that I enjoyed about work. And that was a lot about influencing people. I really enjoyed being in rooms of people that were higher than me, you know, had more status, paid more, more responsibility. I loved that. And I, what I loved even more was influencing those people. I was like, this is cool. Mm. When the head of is listening to me and they want to take my feedback on, that's a nice feeling. Um, but lo and behold, you know, I stuck that out for a bit. It's a... Uh, Retail's not an easy place to be over the last sort of five years. In fact, a lot of them are now gone. You know, Debenhams is gone. Don't think House of yeah. Fraser's around anymore. John Lewis is holding on somehow. Um, hope it, hopefully it carries on too. Um, but this is not a retail podcast. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I, you know, I enjoyed my work there, but it, it was difficult. I was sort of the level I wanted to get to. This is obviously purely financial at this point. You know, I wanted to earn more and, and do better and be successful financially. Um, it's going to take me a long time, man. You know, I think probably four, five, six promotions to be on the board to then be in the sort yeah. of numbers I'm wanting to earn. Six figures, whatever. Um, and, and and I remember one day, this is always sticking in my memory, we had like a team meeting and the, the head of was talking to us about whatever. And he was really passionate about it. I could tell that he cared. Mm. I was like, I just don't care, yeah. man. <laughs> like, fuck, I don't care about this stuff. Not enough to me, for me to come and yeah. do this 30, 37, 38, 39 hours a week. And as I say, all alongside that, I've got the bodybuilding going on in the background and I'm getting a bit better about that, that and a bit better and a bit better. I'm competing in the background. Um, and then, yeah, lockdown hit. And it was that when I was like, okay, I wasn't put on furlough because it was online, my job, e-commerce, like I say, but I had a lot more time. So I kind of spent that time earning more clients, building my business. And, and I think when lockdown hit, a lot of people really, uh, I mean, myself included, had a bit of a panic attack. I was just actually getting somewhere. I was get, had sort of 20, 30 clients. I turned pro in that time as well, still at John Lewis. So you can imagine the profiles kind of growing. And I was like, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose it all. You know, all this background stuff I'm building, I'm going to lose it because of lockdown. And actually the opposite happened. You know, I really tried to show up in that time. Um, I tried to show people how to train or how best to train and try to be, I guess I was, I tried to be a bit positive during a time when a lot of people were thinking the whole world's coming down. Um, and I think that did me a, a great service. And uh, yeah. through lockdown, you know, by the end of, not even by the end of lockdown, but by the end of the first major lockdown, I had enough clients to quit my job, I quit my job, and then the rest is history. <laughs> Amazing. What a story. What a story. There's so many points in that I'm, I'm interested in. And there's also a lot I, I resonate in. I used to sell, uh, I used to work for Rackerson. I don't know mm -hmm. if you know those guys or not, but uh, I used to sell fashion technology and into, and data analytics and CRM platforms into retail. There you go. So I understand that well very much. It's always on. You're always looking at data. You're always looking at numbers. There's always targets to hit. And if you're not hitting targets, it's like, what's going on? So, um, but there's one point in your story which uh, really lit me up because it's, it's where I, really resonated with it which is you looked at this and you went i just don't care mm. i had this moment where uh, our ceo and our commercial um 
chief revenue officers having a go at us. I'm like, oh, right, we need to get this. We need to get these guys on. And, and uh, the end result was this brand sells more handbags. And I was like, I couldn't yeah. give a flying buck how, fuck how many handbags are sold. And then there's always this moment, I call it a now what moment, where you get the thing you thought you wanted. And then you're like, oh, is this it? Oh, shit. And then you go back on the hedonic treadmill. Or maybe it's this next thing, and it's the next thing, and it's the next thing. It sounds like that's where you went, all right, I'm actually going to do what I enjoy, which is coaching and training and taking that up a notch. Yeah, I mean, that wasn't really necessarily like a, um, a conscious choice at that moment, but it just always sticks in my memory because I think maybe like there was like a latent, you know, like there was a bit of a lag on on the decision. Um, I guess I've always I've always kind of said like I, I've – from a from a kid, I was I'd say I was an underachiever as a kid. Like I was the kid at school who was like, oh, Joe could do better if he concentrated. And mum and dad probably never that happy really with how I was getting on, in trouble. Not, nothing really serious, but just a, tr a troublemaker, you know. Um, but throughout all that, uh, and also I played a lot of sports at school. I was never good at any of them. I was like, I just want to be good yeah. at something, man. Like, what am I going to be good at? And then yeah, kind of in the background, like I said, I kind of realised I was I was. I should just admit that I'm good at bodybuilding, like I'm in the, the top percent, but I still struggle with that because obviously we're always comparing upwards, but I finally found something that I won. So I came second in my first ever show out of like 72 people and I was like, oh shit, that, that's pretty good. That was back at uni, so 21. And then yeah, we fast forward to that point, I'd continue that journey and I'd won a few more shows and I was like, okay, growing a bit of a following, still sharing my journey. Um, and that that moment just does stick in my mind, but it was it was only really in lockdown, I guess, that I really started to do something about mm. it and think this could be my full time job. Um, so that's kind of how it materialized in the end. Amazing. And I'm gonna pull up this letter that you shared on your Instagram. And it really hooked me, and I'm, I'm guessing you got a really good response from it. Uh, I think it was I think it's pretty decent. The people that could be yeah. bothered to read for it, yeah. Yeah, it, it was actually a really beautiful piece. Uh, I'm going to read it out, and it might catch you off guard as I read it out. You're like, fuck, I wrote that, but it, it was beautiful. So, can you just, in fact, can you just provide some context? What was the uh, undefeated pro camp? So, uh, this is obviously very very fresh. Um, I started my travels this year on after our like my team Brightman like coaching team day a week later, thirteenth of January. I was flying over to Bali. Um, to join this this pro camp, which perfect time to explain what it is because it's never been done before. Um, a guy that inspires me I easily in my like my top three on social media, Jackson. Um, don't know if you know him, Jackson Pios, incredible guy. Like just like bulletproof mindset, something for me that I'm like I'm still working on. Um, he has he's an amateur uh, bodybuilder if you like he's only competed once actually a long long time ago but recently he's been really applying himself to it he has a phd so it's kind of all the stuff that i'm interested in like i like that scientific side of bodybuilding but obviously of course i like to you know the blood and guts of it as well um and i think for him uh, probably a selfish endeavor but he invited uh, i think 19 or 20 pros pro athletes ifbb pros um and then four kind of amateurs uh i guess like friends of his really but like you know high level amateurs people that are sort of pushing their the 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 pro the pro ranks or trying to trying to turn pro invited so 25 people in total to this pro camp in bali which as i say not something that's been done before but he his his motivation was to try and bring the team the team element back to bodybuilding he's a big uh he's a big fan of like the old school you know sport the basketball and like uh Actually, I think that's mostly it. Basketball was the main one, but just just team sport in general. I think he played it as a kid, and he was like, "Why is this not in bodybuilding? Why are we all just like solo on our own?" And I was like, "Yeah, fair." Because um, we are, we we just crack on, you know. You have a bit of communication, a bit of contact here and there, but by and large, it's a very solo, isolating endeavor. So he invited all these people together to kind of network, train together, 
eat together, recover together, and just like share the process, I guess, for a week. Um, and genuinely, like probably since, like, so if I look back on like the highlights of my life, turning pro was was one of them. That was a, a day I achieved one of my dreams. That's I, I, can't, I don't think I'll top that to be honest. Uh, not not very often. And then last week was was incredible from a like prof- professional, if you will, perspective. Just amazing um, to be around. Uh, to, to finally understand that or to feel part of a tribe yeah and I think um, not in competition you know all uh, sharing our struggles you know there was there was a really quite profound moment on I think it was day day three where Hattie Boydell who's quite a big Australian influencer and and, and uh, I think like WBFF pro back in the day she did a talk and she basically um, she basically wanted to, uh, us all to kind of practice some gratitude, like publicly in front of everyone. Um, and everyone in the room, and you know, it started with, bear in mind, this is a mixture of men, women, boys, girls, whatever you want to call us, um, uh, and all pros or, or high level amateurs. It starts, quite, it starts quite shallow. You know, someone says, I'm grateful for my health. And it's one of them ones where you're like, yeah, okay, of course. But like, anyway, as we went around the room, it got like gradually deeper and deeper and deeper. And by the second row, there's girls talking that are now crying about their experience of Bollywood and why they, you know, why they love it so much and what it means to them. And then, but I'm choking up as well by the time it gets to me. So that was really profound. And I think immediately, like everyone just knew each other on a deeper level. Um, like it was, it was no longer surface level, you know, everyone knew something really deep about, you know, and there was some really, really personal stuff shared about life in general and, you know, why bodybuilding is, is so important to people. And I often, I think, I, I think I carry this, like, uh, I think I did mention it in the, in the letter. I carry this, uncomfort or shame i think it must be shame or guilt or just something around bodybuilding i think people will have a you know negative connotation with it or just a stupid meathead sort of thing i often feel like that and when people ask me in in like public spaces or new circles what's your job i do feel a bit of like mm. i sort of go inwards i want to mm. like i want to hide it um you know i go out in public and i wear baggy clothes and i'm never wearing tight t-shirts and stuff like that so there's obviously some like some stuff i need to unpack um but this this program was yeah it was it was a, just a week where we all trained together every day it was it made the bodybuilding a team sport we shared a lot and it was really really like quite quite mm. cool just a really cool week and honestly like I'm thinking when are we doing this again like it's gonna be amazing so that's yeah. what it was that's beautiful so <coughs> on that topic what does bodybuilding mean to you and what does it represent I think bodybuilding gave me uh, it, as I said to you a minute ago like in terms of before. I just wanted to be good at something. I really desperately, all my childhood, wanted to be good at something. I never really found anything I was that good at. And then bodybuilding, I found bodybuilding, I felt like I was good at it. So suddenly I feel like, I guess I feel like a sense of pride or achievement or something. That's why I think I, I tag onto it. Um, my, I'm really, really fortunate to have a very supportive family. None of them question bodybuilding. They actually like it themselves. Like my dad's got, my stepdad's got like an Arnold encyclopedia. Mm-hmm. Like my dad trained when he was young. Like they've all, they've all done it. Even my mum, my mum's in incredible shape. Um, so I'm lucky to have a really kind of supportive circle on that. And then a lot of people aren't. Um, but it, it gave me, it was like my first outlet of people being proud of me and me being able to be proud of myself. So I think that's what it's, that's what it's given me. Um, and outside of that, like purpose, it gives me a structure. Um, and I, uh, kind of went away from bodybuilding in 2020, end of 22 I, I was the last time I competed. And I sort of had like a whole kind of eight months away from competing or pushing body weight or pulling back or whatever, because I kind of got a bit sick of it. I was like, Oh God. Just spent a decade bulking or cutting like this mm. is a bit much I, I craved a bit of normality when i got normality i just craved bodybuilding again mm. i was like this is me like it's, 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 it feels like the you know the identity that i've kind of built around myself it's 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 not comfortable but it's like it's just the mission that i'm on it's where i feel most like i'm gonna get somewhere i think that's mm. how i feel 
Um, I feel like bodybuilding is my is my one shot, or at least in this you know in this lifetime. Not like, when I say lifetime, I mean chapters yeah. of life. Like I feel at the moment, this is my shot to really make something of myself, whether that is through bodybuilding or influencing people through bodybuilding or coaching or whatever. So, it's given me a it's given me a purpose. It's given me something to to be good at, which I'm eternally grateful for. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that resonates with me. As a kid, my dad was my football manager. We were bottom of the bottom league, and he benched me every game. Now, as an adult, we can laugh because you must have been really shit. Mm-hmm. Like, but actually, the kid I didn't feel good enough. No. And for me, the moment sounds like you had the same thing in bodybuilding. My moment of I'm actually pretty good at this was boxing because mm-hmm. you can't get substituted in boxing. You can't get substituted in bodybuilding. Like you're you're in. Mm-hmm. And it was that moment where I went, oh my god, I can actually make something of myself. And then I got attached to that, and that was my thing, and that was where I pushed and I pushed and I pushed. And there was a healthy level of that, and then it became unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And for me, it ended up in an eating disorder. Uh, anxiety, depression, trying to take my own life and, and, it, and not leave my parents' house for two weeks and in a really bad spot. Mm-hmm. Or in the ashes of that is where I actually discovered my purpose. Not straight away. There was a lag. <laughs> it was years later. But it was helping ambitious minds avoid that fate and that car crash mm-hmm. of where I went. Then also, I'm a, I'm a performance geek. I'm fascinated by how we can get better. What's yeah. the extra 1%, 5% and how that works. But in there, when I read this, uh, a lot of it resonate with me and i'm sure it resonated with a lot of people and i'm going to read it out i think this is on the second or third slide like anyone i have my own struggles issues problems but anyone that knows me well enough will tell you the majority of the those problems are created in my own head i believe it to be the thing that holds me back the most i carry huge self-doubt i lack confidence and i get in my own way a lot i struggle to give myself any credit for what i've achieved and i rarely take a minute to look around and see how my life compares Uh, to a few years ago back in John Lewis. I'm not sure if I've said this publicly, but I'm highly self-conscious despite how it may look on social media. Whenever I'm preparing for a situation outside of a gym environment, I make sure I do everything to draw as little attention to my physique and speaking about what I do for a living to new people or people who just won't get it. And I think deep down, I feel some shame for the life I've built for myself. I'm yet to find the answers why. Due to a lot of this, I make my own head a lot of uh, an unpleasant place to be a lot of the time. Prior to that camp, I can't remember a day that didn't go by where I didn't feel a pang of stress in my stomach. I can't remember being truly kind. However, in this last week, I felt none of that. I truly felt like a key player in the team. I felt seen, heard, and understood. I didn't feel self-conscious. Whether that was the first thing in in the morning or sweat running down my face from just having a challenging conversation. For that, I want to say thank you for every person that was a part of the camp. Yeah, That's really well written. I'll do my yeah, best, your journalism <laughs> background then uh and then come through that um there was so much in that that uh i think so many people don't realize that everyone feels like that for me uh, when i was on the england boxing team i was working with hazel gale my therapist and performance coach and she fucking changed my life she's amazing but i remember going on these camps and I'm going, yeah, but like, I'm, I'm really insecure and I feel like, you know, this guy's been to the Europeans or this guy's done this and I'm just sort of here and I'm just breaking on and I'm always injured and like, whatever. And she goes, Kieran, everyone's injured. Everyone's insecure. Everyone feels self-doubt. Like, it's a thing. Like, really is a thing. And then she put me in touch with some of her other fighters who I really looked up to. And I was like, no, nah, there's no way that that guy feels like that. There's no way he feels like that. And I just remember having a short Zoom call. I won't say who it is because he, he is very private about his stuff. He goes, man, I'm riddled with self-doubt and imposter syndrome and it fucking terrifies me and it kills me. But 
I've learned to mold the mind so I can use that in a way where it doesn't destroy me and I can get more done. And for me, that was the highlight moment of, oh, and that's why we do this podcast. Nearly broke the podcast. Um, Everybody feels like that. Mm -hmm. And it's just the intensity that if we can dial that down and dial up some more positive emotions, the whole game can change. So when you wrote that, it just, it was beautiful. It was really, really, really beautiful. And I'm really keen and curious to explore some of this if you feel like you're interested. Go ahead, man. I, I put it out there, so let's yeah. do it, yeah. Okay, so <clears throat> if you just if you're going to describe some of those doubt, self-confidence, all of that stuff, that jungle in the head, if you're going to put that into three words when you're going through those emotions and those thoughts, what? how would you summarize all of those? Um, I'd say like pretty crippling, probably very, very, very unproductive or efficient, inefficient is, is how it makes me. Um, and... I guess like I, I know it's I know it's in there the self doubt and the and the and the the lack of self belief but it's it's that it, if I could package mm. that into a word it's almost like the the, the um it's like it's like debilitating that's what it is it's debilitating it, I think it stops me doing things that I should do or have every right or was just as much right as everyone else to do I think that's probably where debilitating which sounds really yeah. really like <laughs> that sounds really strong but I think that's what it is and you know not my hands aren't tied behind my back but it mm. kind of feels like they are or someone's yeah. just telling me nah, don't do that mate. You know, what, why would you do that? Why is anyone, why do you have the right to do that? Many more than three words, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. If he's going to describe your childhood in a few words, how would you describe that? Um, my childhood, again, challenging because of me, not because of everyone else. I made it challenging for myself. Um, probably um, underpotentialized. Challenging and the potentialized, and I'd just say like, like overwhelmingly positive. Like I look back and like it's positive, mm. but those two things, yeah. I think especially where my life is now and how how it's gone. Like that's how I feel yeah. right now as well. Yeah, you know, um, under under potentialized, challenged, but also everything around me. If I actually take a second, and that's probably how I feel. I imagine in twenty years when I look back and I think, wow, my twenty five to thirty five, that was pretty damn good, man. Mm. So yeah. Can you see the connection between yeah. <laughs> that, let, let's say that five to seven year old potentially, to where you are now? Can you see that that's where there was an imprint left into how you view the world and how you process that? Mm. It's probably even probably even sort of, I don't even know about five, but maybe sort of seven to 12, I think probably mm. the years when I probably just felt like a little shit, mm. um, caused a lot of issues. Definitely sort of seven to like 15, that's probably when it stopped. That's quite a large span, but maybe my brain developed at a bit of a slower rate. I know boys develop it slower, but yeah, I'm sure there are some some earlier memories and stuff that's, that's gone on. Like my parents aren't together. There's probably a lot of, probably some stuff that's, that's gone on there. Um, but on, on the whole, like when I really think about childhood, it was like school, being told off, not mm. being good enough, never being like making people proud. That's, that's pretty hard. Yeah. You said you felt like a little shit. <clears throat> what emotions would you attach with that? Oh, um... Like disappointment, you know, mm. people being disappointed in me. Um, never like being in the good books, you know, them ones like, you know, no one's ever like really, and often it feel like people are like happy to see me, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's probably the overwhelming ones. Mm. Essentially, that your model of the world is built when you're a kid. Mm -hmm. That's when it is. And 
all of that fear, that doubt, that imposter syndrome, that all rears its ugly head as you start to go through your 20s and 30s. Mm. And that's where we start to go, okay. So for me, it was always the fear of not being good enough and fear of failure. But in boxing, it's very black and white. I can prove my, I'm doing air quotes, I can prove my enoughness by whether I beat the other guy or not. And even then, I didn't feel good enough when I won a lot of the time. Uh, and then in, in sales, in software sales, it's very black or white. You hit your target or you don't. Yeah. You're the winner or you're the loser. And losing always hurt a hell of a lot more than, than winning ever did. And it was always that imprint of not feeling enough. And for me, what I found is as I started to explore, okay, well, what is that about? And I started to let go of that. That's where I started to find peace. doesn't mean I don't get anxious or overwhelmed or stressed. But the amount of emotional energy that I'm burning up in that started to really tone down. And this is often where I think people get, people don't really understand what mental performance work is and what we do. Often people think it's either very woo-woo, so very spiritual, oh, we're just going to manifest all of this stuff. Uh, or it's, oh, it's too therapy, it's too soppy. Or on the flip side, oh, it's too performance-based, it's too future pacing, it's too leadership and communication. And this is kind of where I've merged all of it. Because my view in the way in which we interpret the world is we can't build a better future if we're trying to build it on our past. So the level of thinking and feeling that got us here isn't the level of thinking and feeling that's going to get us to the next level. And it's saying goodbye to that inner child's fears and doubts and insecurities and, and helping that move forward. That really changes the game. But often people don't think. They come to me for the productivity stuff. The, yeah, but I want to sort of like get more shit done and I want to do this, I want to do that. But sometimes it's actually we've got to look at the psychological foundation of well, what's actually stopping the productive bit. It's the work that you avoid, which is where all the results live. Yeah. I think um, we've obviously had a conversation before about, about what you guys do. Um, and I think it's like, I, I think I understand it quite well based on a conversation that we had. And I think, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it, from, what, from what I understand, it's almost more like breaking down the barriers to allow you to be more productive. It's not, I'm not, I'm not going to give you productivity hacks because if you're doing productivity hacks on the backdrop of like doubt, anxiety, I'm not good enough, like it's not going to yeah. fall back, right? So yeah, that's what, that's, I think that's what I understand from it. But I'm sure a lot of people are like, what the hell is this? What does this guy yeah. do? And it's understanding that we can only, a good, a good metaphor would be a coffee cup, right? So if you have, Let's say you wake up every day and you got 60% of the coffee cup. That remaining 40% is self-doubt and imposter syndrome and fear and whatever. So when you get to the end of the day and you're really tired and you're like, I can't really do much else. Like, why am I so tired? It's because you started your day with a load more emotional energy uh, and bandwidth being spent on those limiting beliefs, on those fears, on those doubts. And as you start to do more work, and I see this through clients that go through our one-to-one -one evolution program, is that 60% turns into 70%. And then it turns into 75%. And then it turns into 80%. And then over the course of a few months, next thing you know, they're like, oh, I'm, I've got more energy. I'm getting more shit done. I'm just kind of getting things out there. But often people are looking for the fast hacks that only is going to add 1%. Because you, you can't build a house on shit foundations. Mm. I guess it's in a bodybuilding perspective. It would be like, yeah, sure, I'm going to take a load of gear, but I'm not really going to eat for it. And I'm probably not really going to train for it. And I'm going to sort of, yeah, I'm going to get this this new productivity thing or this new flow state, optimal, or this visualization. Yeah, that's great. But if the foundations aren't aren't there, if you're not sleeping well, eating well, training well, then you're never really going to build the foundations for that to to really grow. It's how, kind of how I see the see the puzzle. Um, would you like to play around with some of this stuff? We don't have to go into into yeah. the root cause stuff. But no, go, go, go. Um, I have 
I'm like an open book man. If anything, I'm an oversharer. So okay. be my guest. Like if you want to hear it, then we'll go for it. All right. So <coughs> let's look at that energy that stuck in your own head, that whispering. Can you really do this? That imposter syndrome and all of that, that, that emotion that comes up in the day to day that catches you off guard. If you were to cut that down by 50%, what would change? Um, I think I would get, I, I would just simply get a lot more done, like a lot quicker. You know, you know, every now and again, you have like a very good day where you're like, oh, sh I ended that day and I was like, oh, I got a lot done that day. I think it'd be a lot more days like that, uh, which would be great, obviously, when you're trying to build, you know, drive a business forward. And I, I've, I've spoken about this a lot. Like, I think, I think I had a team day at the start of the month and one of my slides was on like how the coaching industry has changed over the last like five years. So when I first got a coach, I was given my plans on like a WhatsApp message and an email and I was like, that it um and obviously coming from like a professional background john lewis everything was like red tape mm. hoops like you know uh everything had to be perfect if an email going was out it's, it was going out it's been read three four times you have to double check and triple check everything so there was a high level of like quality and delivery and professionalism and that was what i tried to bring to my coaching straight away and mm. i think that was why i did quite well to begin with because people were like oh this is different i just used to get my stuff on a whatsapp and suddenly i'm bringing like presentation decks and branded uh branded like documents mm. and, and it was a good service a really good service but you know that's leveled up now everyone's doing that so yeah. that's not good enough anymore and on top of that, you know, people are doing team days. People are doing not only their coaching, but a challenge. And then people are doing the coaching and mentorship. Mm. And like the list goes on. And you, you finally, like, you're going like, oh, my God. It's leaking everywhere. So I think you, you, you know, uh, naturally have to be a higher performer, even just to keep up nowadays. Mm. Like, I think if I came into the industry today doing what I did back then, it'd be like, how's it? Well, not what he's doing, but mm. like, yeah, also special. Um so yeah, I would be able to get more done, which, you know, that's maybe more lead gen, maybe some outreach, maybe some free stuff that I'm giving away to drive more leads and, and things like that. So I think that's what happened. I think at the moment what I do is, you know, I wake up, have my check-ins to do, they're my priority, they're my current clients, they get the best Joe, you know, at the start of the day, and then I go and train, and then I come back and I'm a bit goosed after training, but that really is when I need to do the other stuff that's like maybe driving the business forwards rather than just keeping it in a good spot. So if I can have a bit more energy in the afternoon, or a bit more, creativity still a bit a bit of battery left then maybe i could crack on and get a bit more done there yeah that's that's the coffee cup whatever you're operating at now it's just boosting that up if you were to look at yourself in a real real honest sense when you look at that coffee cup of your potential how much of that do you feel like you're using at the minute is it 80 percent 60 percent 40 percent somewhere between 40 and 60 i think that's that's genuinely how i feel like that's probably my biggest stressor is or stressor is i'm, I'm i always say my, my, my biggest fear has been like i get to retirement age and i'm like you could have done so much more I'm like why didn't you do more why did you waste that time or why didn't you do more or could you have been better here so my my, my biggest fear now that i've gone you know gone, actually probably always in life but has been more uh uncovered as a entrepreneur solopreneur mm. whatever bodybuilder is like don't get to the end and realize you could have done so much more. That's that's what bothers me, I think, the most. Um, that's what probably drives me forwards. But also, I think, is what also makes me almost more often want to quit because I'm like, well, you're never going to get there. Like, mm. you know, that's that's probably where that's probably where I find the, the push and pull. And where are you putting your fulfillment? Are you putting it in the future and these these perceived milestones? Do you get it in the day to day? Like, where are you seeing that at the moment? Um, my fulfillment that's a good question i think i'm getting better at this i think i'm getting better at shifting it to, to where i'm at now um 
I I I get my fulfillment when I feel like I've had a positive positive influence on on someone or something or you know uh, positively impacted an outcome. That doesn't matter whether that's someone stepping on stage. That doesn't matter whether someone messaged me and says something like, for example, oh, I was going to take steroids and then I, and then I, and then I listened to this and you, you really made sense and now I'm going to rethink that and I'm like, good, great decision, mm. well done. Like that that sort of stuff gives me fulfillment. Um, I definitely get fulfillment from my bodybuilding journey. 100% get fulfillment from that. Like it was just just this past week, like training with Josh again. You know, when I, when I see a picture of myself that is the the person that I want to look like at the moment in my bodybuilding career, that gives me fulfillment. Like I feel excited by that. So I think I do get I do I think I do get fulfillment today. But for sure, there's like I guess I feel like there's a lot of it waiting for me, or I'm waiting for it, or I need to go and find it. Um, uh, I think that's. But I think that comes with the pressures of like what I'm doing, man. Like it's, I find it very difficult. Like every, you know, a week doesn't go by where I'm not stressed about like I need more clients or you know should be doing better. What more can I do to to drive my business forward? So mm. yeah, I don't I don't know if I lack fulfillment now. Um, I'm not sure what it is. Cause I I don't yearn for the Lamborghini. I don't no. yearn for to have a, a whole load of watches. I don't anymore yearn for a whole wardrobe of you know really expensive clothes. I'd like a nice place to live. I'd like a you know I'd like to be really happy with where I'm living. Um, and a massive motivation for me, especially as I've now reached my 30s, is like in the next well, in the next year I'll have a wife. I currently have a fiancé. We want kids. Like I want them guys to be comfortable. Um, I don't want to be worrying about anything. I think um, another big um, kind of uh, shaping part of my life was that time when I was in London. And I remember like my, my paycheck would run out every month. And I have to you know, last a few days without it, maybe a week. And there was one time where like my shoes, <laughs> I had Clark's Wallabies and I wore to the office and they'd literally worn through. And I went home and my mum was like, Joe, let me get you some shoes. Um, Cause I don't like to ask for handouts. Like last night, literally had a call with my, my stepdad. Um, me and my, me and my fiance were having a little registry fairly soon so we can sort of get on with our lives. Um, and he literally said to me, oh, we, you know, we'd like to pay for the photographer or something. You're not very forthcoming. And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm like, I'm not going to ask for help. Like, I don't, especially now because I've done enough to stand on my own two feet. So I'm not going to ask for that help. Um, is that just financial help or is that help in general? I would ask for help. I won't ask for financial help. Yeah. Gotcha. I will yeah. ask for help. I'm, I'm pretty good at actually asking yeah. for help. Like, I think on the whole, if, if I need someone, if I need help, well, I'm very good at just being like, Look, I'm struggling. Can you help me? Um, I, I don't. I don't struggle to kind of outsource that. I'm not a one-man band, and no, I'm not going to do it myself. Um, I actually prefer to work with people and get help from people. But yeah, financially, like, um, he's like, you're not very forthcoming. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to be forthcoming. I'm not going to ask you for like this or that. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I know that everyone has their own. You know, everyone's got their own stuff going on. You know, that my mum, my mum and set that are trying to do stuff with their lives. Mm -hmm. Like, and I mean, I'm twenty. I'm not twenty. I'm thirty. I don't. They don't need me asking for money for for this or that yeah. for a decision that I decide to take so yeah um, I'm not even sure where, that, where yeah. that went but yeah I was asking about the fulfillment there we go Steve Jobs said to his one of his <coughs> longest running HR managers who he built a personal relationship with at the end of his life when he had cancer and she goes what was the best bit he's like what was it like the iPhone or like the Mac or the iPad like what was it and he kind of looks at her and he, he's got a bit of a weird vibe I don't know if you've read much into Steve Jobs the way that he managed but um he was a bit, bit mental in a good way. A lot of the greats are a bit mental. Yeah. And he, he looks at her and he says, all of that was bullshit. I think her name was Diane. <laughs> all of that was bullshit, Diane, just in case it's not. Uh, but he goes, the journey is the reward. Yeah. 
it's the and you hear all of these cliches and i think cliches are actually the unwritten laws of life and it, and often we kind of just go ah, well, yeah obviously but there's one thing knowing it there's another thing feeling it and truly knowing it like really understanding what that is and it was only when i started realizing well, hang on like this is always going to be if you're going to do great things the great things are always going to be hard there's always going to be stresses but what i found was when i want to focus on the journey all right, what's the next bit of the puzzle that I'm trying to solve? Is it this way or is it this way? And I started playing with that part versus putting my my happiness and my, my sense of, of worth in when I achieve this, when I achieve this. I wanted to box the Olympics and I mapped every single fight and tournament I had to win all the way back until that. And I just decided I wouldn't be happy until I went to the Olympics. So I spent years very unhappy. Mm -hmm. Then in, in software sales, it was like, okay, I'll be happy when I've got this amount of commission and this salary and this type of girlfriend and this apartment. And I did all of it. And I was like, I still don't feel enough, man. Like, what the fuck is going on? And I do think, particularly with ambitious minds, is we attach, we attach our self-worth to outcomes. Oh, yeah. And as a result, we spend a lot of time unhappy. Mm -hmm. And it isn't to say that, you know, we don't want to go after some some great things. And there is nothing wrong with having good, lofty goals. But it's not becoming attached to the goal. It's understanding that it is just a milestone. Mm -hmm. And if you can find a process that you enjoy, so you love the bodybuilding process, right? The process of getting in shape, getting into a show, doing that, and even the pain and the suffering that goes in that, you, you, you enjoy it. You get something out of it, otherwise you wouldn't do it. I think too many people are suffering in, in pursuits that they don't care enough about and thus they're just trapped in this sort of bland pain and suffering. Yeah. Understanding, actually, if you can find a process that you love, oh, shit, the game can change. Yeah. I, I've definitely um, I've definitely become more aware of that in my body wound journey. So I've said quite openly, like, this year competing may well be my last year. I don't really know. Like, I, <laughs> how I feel after time away is like I feel like I could go on for a few more years. Um, but we'll, you know, we'll see how life pans out. But for me, the the absolute overarching goal, and actually, I wrote this on my twenty twenty four goals on the second of January or first January. I wrote it was to have fun with it. I've stopped having fun with a lot of stuff: uh, work, uh, you know, business, work. Not not training. I still have fun with training, but bodybuilding as a as a whole process. Like you can't have the off season without the prep, and you know, bits of it is going to suck, and like that's cool. So for me, like my, my mantra this year is just have fun with it. Like you lost that in twenty twenty three. Because I, I did, I did lose a lot of fun, and then you know, I've reflected a lot on my last few competitive seasons, and some of the most profound lessons I've had is like, you will lose to someone who's having fun, you know, you will lose to someone who is enjoying the suffering more than you, um, and and you will also lose to people who are like willing to give absolutely everything for it. So if you're gonna leave yards, you know, or leave leave a bit of something on the table because your passion is not there, it's all interlinked and you are not going to give as much of it because you're not enjoying yourself or loving it there's going to be someone else who's loving it man mm. so like for me uh, the, the the outcome i have now put that outcome i've got I've obviously got an outcome in my head that i would like that i think i'd be happy with or satisfied with or proud of should i say um but for me the the majority of the journey this year is to have fun with it to to enjoy that whole process mm. and to not i said this to josh yesterday on the podcast like not shy away from the hard work or cut corners or try and get there because I think again it's all linked it's all linked so that's I'm, I'm good at that I think I'm getting better at that with bodybuilding if I can just apply that to business a bit more I think that could uh, I think that could be a very positive change for me in boxing there's a phrase a happy fighter is a dangerous fighter I think the same with with any athlete one it doesn't mean that the the happy athlete or the happy entrepreneur isn't experiencing stress or or chaos people seem to think everything's black and white so like, oh, you're either happy or unhappy you're either calm or you're anxious. 
or you're stressed or you're overwhelmed or you're good. It's not like that. Mm -hmm. Your ability to move through these emotions and these states and be water versus rigid, being like really, really, really rigid. And go, okay, well, all right, you know what? I'm anxious and excited at the same time or I'm feeling quite low, but I'm still kind of a bit pissed off. So I'm going to use that to drive some some outcomes and doing some work, which then might just pick that up. The ability to move through emotions and thoughts is really the thing. Our number one company value at Total Mental Performance is be water. Did you ever hear the Bruce Lee talk about being water? Uh, only through you. So I've, mm. I've, read your, I've read your post. I think it was actually about Dan. I think you were mm. talking about Dan and you said like he embodies this. So, um, yeah, I, I've heard of it, but go on and yeah. explain it again so, so I understand it better. He goes, um, <clears throat> Priestley says, if you put water into a bottle, it becomes the bottle. If you put it into a teacup, it becomes the teacup. It can flow or it can crash, be water. And what he means by that is water can be absolutely devastating. Look at tsunamis and look at like waterfalls. You stand underneath a water, it's going to crack your head open. Mm -hmm. At the same time, it harbors life. And it can be a, it can be a really serene lake mm. or a, a pond or whatever. And often we're really rigid. Athletes typically are quite rigid. This is my routine. This is my structure. Entrepreneurs can be quite rigid. Okay, well, this is the business model, so it's got to be like this. It's got to be like this. And it's only when you let go of that rigidness from an emotional standpoint, we stop taking ourselves so seriously. We start to really just go, you know what? Like, I'm a dude trying to do some cool shit, and I'm going to do it the best that I can with it. I'm it'll either work or it won't. Mm. But whether if it works or it doesn't, doesn't necessarily validate whether I'm enough or not. Mm -hmm. I'm just running experiments and I'm either going to prove my experiment, my hypothesis, or I'm going to disprove it. And that's really what I see the world as, is how can I be more like water? How can I be more fluid? How can I flow and adapt? Have you ever heard about Japanese skyscrapers and why they're so special? Uh, is it going to be to do with earthquakes? Yeah. Because they wobble. Yeah. Because they're allowed to because of the earthquakes. Yeah, yeah. Exactly that. They've got weights at the top and the bottom. So if there's an earthquake, if you look at a Japanese skyscraper, they move. They're so much more flexible. Whereas the original American, that's where the skyscraper comes from, is America. They're so rigid because they don't have, they don't have that. So it's how can you learn to be like a Japanese skyscraper or like water and adapt and adjust? And that for me is a real agile mind. If I was going to look at, say, you know, a Mr. Olympia mind. I've never made this, com this, this metaphor, but it's quite cool. My version of a, a Mr. Olympia mind is the ability to be water. So something happens, you have your innate animalistic response, anger, anxiousness, overwhelmed, pissed off, stressed. And then you get back in control. Mm. And you go, right, I'm going to respond. I'm not going to react, I'm going to respond. The ability to control reactions, the ability to stop the thought and the mind from spiraling and spiraling and spiraling into, I can't even fucking pick up my laptop anymore. And getting back to that fluidity. That to me is like a, yeah, a Mr. Olympia or a black belt in jujitsu where they can just move and navigate around that. But that's not an easy thing to do. And we're not taught to think. Like when you was at school, who taught you to think? No one sits you down and goes, here's, here's the most powerful supercomputer on the planet. It's the human mind. Um, here's how you drive this thing. Like you're just not. And our whole reality is created through the mind. The whole thing. So it's just mental that we don't, train it or work with it or invest in it. We just kind of just have this supercomputer and it's just running the show yeah. and it's crazy, absolutely crazy. So that's that's my view on the mind and that's where I think, yeah, that's a, a well-trained mind, so to speak. Yeah, that makes sense. I mm. like it. So what's next for you? You're having uh, fun this year. Yeah, uh, what's next for me is, so moving to this country has been like a, 
a huge goal of not actually Dubai specifically, but again, I feel like I've said this a lot recently, and I feel like this is also something that I struggle with is that kind of uh, online media presence and what are people going to think of me when I move to Dubai? They're going to think, oh, look at this prick, off he mm. goes, you know, tax-free and so on all the time. So I feel like I've had to justify this and I shouldn't have to justify it to anyone. Um, but my motivation for moving here, I think, is, is quite deep and quite long-running. Um, so when I was at John Lewis, obviously pr primarily a UK company, they don't have many mm. opportunities abroad. I was like, I don't want to live in the UK the whole time, man. Like, I want to mm. experience some other places, some other cultures, some other just places in the world and live there and see what it's like. So I was like, next job I get, it's going to be an international company so I can travel or work abroad. Or So, uh, you know, that never happened. I didn't go from that company. So when I went from it to my own and I've been fortunate enough and I've built a life for myself where I can travel. Um, that's not enough because I always have to go back to the UK and I don't really like it there, if I'm mm -hmm. completely honest. So, you know, moving to Dubai isn't like, Dubai probably isn't my number one on the top like list, but it's a really good alternative. Uh, I'll be much, I believe I will be in a much better environment here for success and for happiness and for enjoying the journey. Um, so that's the biggest thing that's happening, that's happening like as we speak. Um, as I say, coming back here with what will be my wife when, when we come, which is crazy. Um, and then this year for me, yeah, it was about once we kind of get settled here, I've got about two, three months left of off season and then I'll go into my prep. Um, so that'll be four or five months long. And as I say, my, my, my last season, my last two seasons that I competed, just didn't have fun, man. Like I was, you know, I actually cut the last one short because I wasn't having fun. And I distinctly remember driving the, the year before. I was in America on my own. I was in Miami, incredible place. Another place that I would definitely live in, in the world. And uh, I was driving to the show and I was speaking to my, my stepdad on the phone. And I was like, Dad, I don't even want to go and compete. Can you believe, you know, I spent 10 years getting to this pro status and I didn't want to go and step on a pro stage. Like no part of me wanted to do it. And he was like, come on, Joe, like pull yourself together. If you, you know, if you, if you don't, if you go on stage, you know, like you want to be there, they'll know that. And they did like, that's how I felt. But I wanted to, I just wanted it to be over as quickly as possible. Um, and then last year I did two shows and then I didn't do the third one because I just wasn't in the headspace anymore. I was tripping myself up. I was in my own way. So for me this year, that's it. You know, that prep, I want to enjoy the prep because I think that would be an absolute key driver of success in the prep. I don't want to be regretting what I'm, I didn't regret what I did, but I don't want to be regretting what I'm doing or or just not having fun with what I'm doing um, and therefore leading to, to poorer outcomes. And then I want to go through and do four, five, six shows. I want to compete back in the UK for the first time since like 2019. That'll be really special for me, I think. Uh, I just want to be proud of myself, man. Mm. I want to be proud of myself. I want people around me to be proud of me. Uh, my partner now, she, she's not seen me go through this process before, so that'll be interesting. We've got to navigate that together, but I'd like to make her proud and show her why I do all this shit that I do, because she's not a bodybuilder. Um, so that's what's, that's what's next for me over the next 12 yeah. months, I guess. From a, a business perspective, um, I am... Very passionate about a few things. I've been trying to sort of work out my ikigai, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and and this is not a secret to anyone, but I'm I'm really really passionate about clothing. It's really inspires me. It's where I often feel like in my flow state when I'm in an environment where we're marketing clothes or which is really ironic going back to what we mm -hmm. said because I've stopped caring about selling yeah. jumpers. But I think it's the creation process. Like I think that'd be really cool. So. I'm really inspired by the likes of Colbox and represent a lot of these big brands that are doing stuff. Um, so that's something that I'd like to do. I think there's a I think there's a market there for me. It's something that I feel like quite uniquely good at, I guess, um, from a the standpoint that I come from. So Cloven, a big goal of mine is to launch that this year. If it's just t-shirts initially, that'd be that'd be wicked. But I've got a whole pack of designs that I want to I want to drop. Um, and then I guess I had a conversation about this this morning. It's about kind of how where's the coaching industry really going? Um, in 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 the in the UK particularly, uh, because I think 
uh, you know, I've I've spent last well this month, you know, a lot of time with international coaches or influencers or bodybuilders. Man, I gotta say, the UK must be the best place in the world um, for clients because there is a pool of incredible coaches out there. There's, you know, you got the top the top guys, the ones that are really running the game at the moment, and that they're sort of getting a bit of a non monopoly. You know, this is not stuff we've seen before. These huge coaching teams that have seven, eight coaches on, um, and then you have this like. I guess uh, let's let's talk about the Premier League. You know, mm. you've got like you've got Man City. That's going to be pro coach. I'm yeah. going to give pro coach Man City, and then you've got kind of you've got Liverpool, Arsenal. You know, um, all kind of fighting up there. And there's this like pool of people that are trying to get in the Champions League or or in the top four or even in the Euros. That pool is just incredible. They're mm. all I'd, that's why I'd have myself in that group of like, you know, upper like in the top top half of the mid table so sorry top half of the of the top half so in the top quarter so let's say top seven if you like in that area um not as in top seven coaches but in that in that area and that pool we're just like fighting like dogs to get you know in that champions league and i think uh that's not going to get any easier so from a coach perspective or from an education perspective or from an influence perspective when it comes to physique development i'm just trying to think about how i can how I can kind of pander to that? How can I answer the questions that people have got um, by maybe educating them or by sharing my journey more or wh whatever that is? That's that's what I'm trying to work out right now. So I'm quite excited to work mm. on that as well because I think I might have worked something out. But again, a lot of this stuff, man, it comes down to what's going yeah. on in here. You know, why would I do that? Why would they listen to me? Mm. Why would they buy my clothes? You know, all that stuff. So I'm 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 desperately trying to bat that down uh, as, as I as I work through it. And maybe you will tell mm. me batting it down is the wrong thing too. You need to work through it. But yeah, that's, that's what's next. I love that. Thank you for sharing. No worries. I say this with love. <clears throat> that thing that I have to, that asking, it's almost like asking for permission or like, well, who am I to do this or, or whatever. And I can say this, I've experienced this myself and the hundreds of clients that have been through DMP. That is the... 20 to 30 kilo backpack that you're walking around with that if you let that go i'll use a better boxing metaphor in boxing we get really talented boxers where they just pour their jab so i'm doing this as, as you're listening i'm sort of throwing out my lead my lead hand and they kind of like do this and they do this and they do this and then they're kind of just there and they just need to let the right hand go i guess another one would be just drop the fucking hammer mm -hmm. and whatever this this questioning like, well, who wants to really listen to me? Or why do I get invited to these things? Or is anyone going to buy my shit? Or, or what about like the, the clothes and whatever? What about this or this or this or this? That is like the, I can see it and I can feel it. Because when you talk like that, your shoulders hunch in. Watch this, watch this episode back and you, you'll see like, that is the weight. Mm. And I know if you shift that, man, fucking hell, you'll be a completely, look, there's, there's two parts. You'll be a completely different animal in the way in which you can show up and you can compete and go and win and go and get the things that you want. But then the other half is is it's bigger than competition, which is just peace. Mm. You know, peace of, yeah, I love this. And I was born to do this. And I'm going to go and make that happen. So however you go and solve that, if you go and solve that, mate, honestly, I just think those two things, your ability to, to compete and go and win, but then also that inner peace and that freedom that you'll have. It doesn't mean you won't experience stress, but it's a different it's a different feeling. I really think your whole reality will change. Yeah. I think that's the that's the thing upstream that's holding off everything else. Yeah. I I'd, I'd like to um I say man, I, I when we when we did have that I've I thought a lot about our conversation that we had before and I'm like, oh man, that's what I need. Like uh, some some help unpacking that and 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 unraveling it, I guess, and and 
removing that bottleneck because I like you say I I have this uh, oh man his name his, his name escapes me and that's really a shame because I absolutely love what he said but you you might have heard of it his first name's James and I can't remember his second name I want to be I want to say like Stan Stan something I'll find it for you after this he has a he, he was um I think he was like a war uh, a general really really inspiring one and his whole stance was like we have an unwavering faith that we're going to get the job done mm -hmm. despite the absolute colossal size of the task and i think that's how i feel a lot of the time and i and i and often like you know look back to my younger self and i'm way ahead of where i ever thought i was going to get to for a really really long time which is amazing but also i always have this faith man there's always just something mm -hmm. in me it's like you're going to do something like you're going to do something well you'll find it just keep just keep looking for it um, and I think there's that it's that balance. I actually wrote this out yesterday and it's given me a lot of ideas like where being a dreamer meets being a realist or like mm -hmm. idealism meets meets realism. I think that's kind of what I what I what I run on. And I could just do with being a bit more of a dream, I think, um, or at least allowing my actions to be the actions a bit more of a dreamer rather than of a realist, um, because, you know, I've got these great things that I want to do and I want to spend my time on. But ultimately, I've got bills to pay. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got I've got there's there's there's. Um, responsibilities that i've got um particularly i'm <laughs> dragging my fiance out here i'm not dragging her but it's been my idea it's something that i want to do it's kind of on me i've got you know i'm gonna have to make sure that we're all good and, and i will make sure that that, that that happens but it also just like th there's all that and then like the space for the other stuff that at, at least initially is not gonna help us with the the practical stuff you know the realistic stuff that's like my dream are out the back yeah. so we have to get the realistic realistic stuff done first and then the dreaming comes after but that's where I um I think that's that that's the that's the mm. battle. Jim Collins talked he wrote a book called uh, Good to Great. It talks about level five leadership. Actually, probably a lot of the board at uh, John Lewis have probably read it. Uh, incredible work. And he talks about uh un he literally says unwavering faith and brutal facts. And level five leaders know to have unwavering faith. Yeah, like I know we can do this, we can pull this off. But the brutal facts are uh I don't know, like let's say UK retail's down, we're making losses and we're gonna have to make some cuts. So I still believe that we'll come through this, but the reality is we're just not there at the minute. And it's it's always doing that that dance of the two. So it's not about going reckless, all in, ah, fucking, I'm a dreamer, like, let's, let's go. But when that holds you back from doing the actions or having the conversations or making the connections that deep down you know you can make, but there's a fear of judgment or there's a fear of, well, I don't get it right, or yeah, but who am I to ask that? Who am I to ask to go here or be on this stage or speak to this person? That's the that's the bit. And that's what I see with you. Like there's you you've got I actually think you've got the brutal facts down. Like you, it seems like you've you've figured that bit out. But that there's a part where you just let that right hand go. Mm. Fucking hell, man. Reality will be so different for you. Yeah, we'll see. Like I say, there's a there's a lot that's kind of flowing through me this year that is just like I kind of, I guess, like say yes, uh, yeah. do, you know, do a bit more, um, do what you actually want to do and what makes you happy. Uh, I've been reflecting a lot on like what's actually making you happy at the moment. Who is it you enjoy working with? What are the conversations you like having? And I can tell you the ones that like set me alight at the moment, they're, they're you know, different to what is, what is the most of my day. Um, and I find them quite frustrating and I feel they drain my energy. And so, yeah, there's, there's a lot of me this year that is about removing that 
unnecessary like energy leaking out that's or, or being dragged mm. out of me that is, is is pulling me back um and secondly doing more of what i actually want to do what is it i really truly feel excited about driving forwards let's do that because in the same way that it comes down to bodybuilding you can bet in business if you're trying to fight a fight with someone who just fucking loves it or wants to die for it they're going to beat you so there's uh, bodybuilding you know you asked me to start what, what was bodybuilding give me and some fucking great lessons as well, man. Because I think so much of it is, is applicable to, to the rest of life. And I'm sure that's the same for most sports, but bodybuilding is just my one. Love that one, man. Final question. Um, what, forget us as a company, as a team, but what does the phrase total mental performance mean to you? If you had total mental performance, how would you know? Oh, total mental performance for me would be exactly what your team would do for me, I think. Uh, what your company would do for me, it would be, it would be removing the shackles. Uh, total mental performance to me would be removing the shackles, removing the, the, the limiting beliefs, taking off that extra weight, where you said that, that backpack, and allowing me to actually be my best, um, act like the person I want to act like, uh, and, uh, and, and achieve the things that I want to and believe I can achieve. Amazing, mate. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. I've deeply enjoyed this conversation. We've got a really beautiful level of depth there. Um, where can everyone find you? Where, where's the best channel to get in touch with you? Uh, so the most common one that will be updated is obviously Instagram. So that's just Brightman underscore. Um, and then YouTube will be coming through thick and fast this year. Um, so it's, we're already sort of, at, I've done five videos in four weeks, which is great. We'll, we'll keep that running. I'd like to do two, two a week for the rest of the year. So take you through my prep and all the other experiences I'm going through. Uh, and that is, I think that's just, Brightman Fitness on, on YouTube. That probably is a little change mm -hmm. up, but yeah. Instagram Brightman, YouTube Brightman Fitness. Amazing, mate. Thanks so much for coming on the pod, mate. We appreciate Thanks, it. Man. Thanks for having me. So that's us for today, team. I want to say a huge thank you for spending this portion of your life listening to us. A couple of things before you disappear. If you're not already following us on Instagram, you can find all of our daily content on mindset and hitting peak performance at Total Mental Performance or our website, www.totalmentalperformance.com. If you haven't already, please subscribe. You'll find us on Spotify, uh, the Apple Podcasts, and all the other various different platforms. Big love. Thank you ever so much. And we're looking forward to speaking with you soon.